0: Loving Father in heaven, how wonderful and marvelous nature is to show us the God of creation. And there's a a message that we need to hear. That message is a transformation. What it takes to go from a worldly person to a Christian reflecting the character of Jesus. And that story is so beautifully told in the life cycle of the butterfly. So i pray in a special way that each of us would receive the blessing you want for us to have today pray especially for my wife that you'd sustain her with your grace as she gives this presentation for we pray in jesus name amen
1: now even though god's creation has been marred by sin and we do not fully see his character revealed in it if we really want to know him, he's going to reveal himself to us. As we've been sharing this week, we saw that how we can see him in light. Um, we did plants. Oh, I just noticed my slide changed. I hope I got the right one up here, but we'll find out. Um, but anyway, in Steps to Christ, um, page 10, it says, God has bound our hearts to him by unnumbered tokens in heaven and earth. Through the things of nature and the deepest and tenderest earthly ties that human hearts can know, He has sought to reveal Himself to us. Many illustrations from nature are used by the Bible writers, and as we observe the things of the natural world, we shall be enabled under the guiding of the Holy Spirit more fully to understand the lessons of God's Word. In the natural world, God has placed in the hands of the children of men the key to unlock the treasure house of His Word. In other words, it is the natural world that teaches us about the spiritual world, and it was God's first book. And I told my husband he could have probably wrote Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and stop. We would have had all the concepts that we need to understand his character in Genesis 1 and how to be good parents in Genesis 2. So I think we need at least Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. The unseen is illustrated by the seen. Divine wisdom, eternal truth, and infinite grace are understood by things that God has made. Children should be encouraged to search out in nature the objects that illustrate Bible teachings and to trace in the Bible the similitudes drawn from nature. They should search out both in nature and holy writ, every object representing Christ and those also that he employed in illustrating truth. Thus may they learn to see him in the tree and vine, in lily and rose, in sun and star. They may learn to hear his voice in the song of birds, in the sighing of the trees, in the rolling thunder, and in the music of the sea. And every object in nature will repeat to them his precious lessons. To those who thus acquaint themselves with Christ, the earth will never more be a lonely and desolate place. It will be their Father's house, filled with the presence of him, who wants to weld among men? Child Guidance 46 and 47. I do have a handout back there that if you want to follow, because there's a lot of scripture verses and it's all on your handout. So make sure you pick one up back there. Spiritual lessons Since the natural world is the key to unlock the treasure house of God's Word, let's see the spiritual lessons the butterfly has to teach us. Now, the butterfly goes through a process known as metamorphosis. And metamorphosis is defined as a complete change of form or shape or change of character and appearance. That means a caterpillar doesn't look like a butterfly, and a butterfly does not look like a caterpillar. When comparing the two, they have nothing in common. The caterpillar is clumsy, he eats leaves, he crawls on the ground, he has one body part, tastes with his mouth, He's fat, he has pro-legs, which are those little legs that run underneath his body, they're called pro-legs, and tentacles. The butterfly is graceful, it eats sweet nectar, flies in the air, has three body parts, tastes with its feet, is slim, has six legs, four wings, two antennas. As you can see, the appearance and characteristics are totally different from each other. In nature, there are other creatures that do not make a complete change in their appearance, but try to camouflage themselves or mimic another creature are things for protection. Here are some creatures that are able to camouflage themselves. Can you see those, what they are? Let me hear you, so I know you can find them. Frogs, there's three frogs in there. Do you see the three frogs? Okay, A turtle, you see a turtle? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you can see a turtle, I don't mind. <laughs> Okay, I was going to turn this thing on, but, oh, there it goes. Okay, so there's one frog, two frog, and three frogs. So those are our frogs. Okay, can you see him? Yep, there he is right here. It's an owl. They're camouflaging themselves. Um, This one's a little harder to see. Some creatures do a really good job of hiding themselves. Can you see this creature? And I circled it. So you can find him. Do you see it? He's a spider. Okay. Do you see him? There's his head, there's his little legs, and then the other part of his body and his other legs are out here. Other creatures are able to camouflage or mimic other things in their environment. This is a walking stick. This is a leaf-tailed gecko from Madagascar. And these ones are camouflaging. This is a stink bug walking leaves. Then there are creatures that just mimic other creatures. This is the South American African emperor moth, and all I did was show his wings. This is a male. They have a pattern of gray, dark brown, and orange colors on their wings. This makes their upper wings look like the black and yellow eyes of an owl. Now, why would a butterfly want to look like an owl? Owls eat them. <laughs> That's right. So, so God put it in them, the ability to hide themselves, so owls leave them alone. This is a hawk moth caterpillar. What appears to be the snake's head is actually the caterpillar's tail. Now those creatures that are camouflaging themselves are trying to fit in so they do not stand out. The creatures that are using mimicry are pretending to be something which they are not. This is how it is with some people. At first glance, they appear to be Christians, but they only have a form of godliness and are denying the power of the gospel. The Pharisees were such people. In Matthew 23, 23, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anison, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the others undone. In Matthew 23:27 through 28, it says, Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He said it over and over and over to this generation. For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. The Pharisees looked pious, but they only gave the appearance of being religious. They were not religious in their hearts. And we can have the same problem where we have a head knowledge of the gospel and truths, but those truths are not changing us internally. Judas, in Desire of Ages 294, says, The disciples were anxious that Judas should become one of their numbers. He was of commanding appearance, a man of keen discernment and executive ability, they commended him to Jesus as one that would greatly assist him in his work. They were surprised that Jesus received him so coolly. The Savior read the heart of Judas. He knew the depth of iniquity to which, unless delivered by the grace of God, Judas would sink. In conducting this man with himself, he placed him where he might day by day be brought in contrast with the outflowing of his own unselfish love. If he would open his heart to Christ, divine grace would banish the demon of selfishness, and even Judas might become a subject of the kingdom of God. Now we know from the story in the Bible, Judas didn't do this. He didn't let God change his character, and he ended up hanging himself. Some people like Judas will not allow God to change their hearts. Instead, they will put on a facade until the very end. You have clothed yourself with a self-righteous garment to cover up the deformity of sin, but this is not the remedy. You know not what true conversion is. The old man is not dead in you. You have a form of godliness, but not the cleansing power of God. Your case is perilous without the transforming power of God. Second Testimonies, page 322. A complete change has not taken place. This person only mimics what a Christian looks like. The caterpillar does not camouflage itself and it does not use mimicry. It goes through a complete change. And that's exactly what God wants us to do, go through a complete change, not mimic being a Christian or trying to blend in with Christianity, but to be changed. Not having a form of godliness, but going through a transformation of heart, soul, and mind. To put away the works of the flesh. Some of the works of the flesh are anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy communication, lying disobedience. And Galatians 5, 19 21 says that, Of which I tell you before, and as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Instead, God wants us to put on the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such things there is no law. Galatians five twenty two through twenty three, Christians should not have anything in common with the world. We're not to look like the world. We're not to act like the world. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Romans twelve one through two, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. And transformed actually means metamorpho. And metamorphosis comes from metamorpho. By the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So how does this transformation or metamorpho take place? In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed, metamorpho, into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we behold Jesus, by reading the word, we will be changed to be like him. Jesus shares with Nicodemus about the transformation that we must go through to be like him in John 3, 3-7. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto, you, uh, unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, Ye must be born again. Again, that's John 3, 3 3-7. By looking at the four stages of the butterfly's life, we can see what Jesus meant by, Ye must be born again have a conversion experience, a complete change in appearance and characteristics, all butterflies have complete metamorphosis. To make a change, it goes through the four stages, the egg, the larva, the pupa, and the adult. Each stage, have a, each stage has a different goal. For instance, the caterpillar needs to eat a lot, the adults need to reproduce. Depending on the type of butterfly, its cycle may take anywhere from one month to a whole year to complete. From the caterpillar which spends its whole life eating leaves and crawling on the earth, to the beautiful butterfly who feeds on nectar and soars in the heavens, we see the transformation we must go through to be totally converted to be like Jesus. The first is the egg. It is the beginning of a butterfly's life. Now the life of the butterfly starts off with an egg. When the female butterfly lays her egg, everything that the baby butterfly or the larva needs is provided within this egg. The egg is covered by a chorion, which is a thin, tough, hard shell that protects the egg. The egg is lined with a waxy layer that prevents dehydration. There is a yolk inside each egg that is full of nutrients to nourish the developing larva. This is a yolk, oh wait, at the top of each egg is a small pit known as the micropile. And I don't know if you can see, you can't really see it in this picture. There's other ones you can, but it's right there at the very top. There's a, there's a little hole there. And um, while the egg is developing, air and water enters the egg through this micropile. The egg itself is perfect to protect and take care of the larva while it is growing. Most eggs are attached to the plant with a fast-drying glue-like chemical. The female butterfly secretes this glue along with the egg. This glue holds the egg of the leaf in such a way that they cannot be separated without destroying the egg. When I was going this, my husband said as a little boy, and I would have never done this, but I guess it's a boy thing, he would find butterflies that would be laying eggs and he would go and try to scratch off the eggs on the leaves, but he couldn't get them off. And it's because of this glue that she places on these eggs to keep it in place. Within these eggs hold the next generation of butterflies. So when the female butterfly starts to lay her eggs, she takes great care in how and where she will lay them. She knows that the life of her offspring will depend on where and how she deposits her eggs. If the eggs are not placed in the right place, she will not have offspring. She knows the eggs need to be kept warm and must have appropriate moisture or they will either rot or dry out. For protection, the eggs are often laid on the underneath side of the leaf so as not to be visible to predators or to little boys. <laughs> it is essential for the eggs to be laid on a host plant, the plants that soon to be caterpillars will eat. For that particular butterfly species, now for example the monarch butterfly, which we'll be talking a lot in this series on it, lays its eggs at the bottom of a milkweed plant, which is the caterpillar will eat as it develops. Some butterflies will lay their eggs on flower heads, others crevices and tree branches, and a few like the ghost boss, they will lay thousands of eggs while they fly by because their larva actually eats grass. So it lays it, just drops them so it has food as they start to grow. Since there are so many predators at every stage of a butterfly's life, the female butterfly lays many eggs during her short life to ensure that even a small number of her eggs will survive. Some species lay one egg at a time. Others lay eggs in small clusters, while others lay hundreds at a time. The female monarch butterfly usually lays one single egg on a milkweed plant, but she can lay an average of 700 eggs over two to five weeks of laying them. Her egg is the size of a pinhead or pencil tip and is often white or yellow, characterized by the vertical ridges that go up and down from the tip to the base. Now other butterflies' eggs come in assortment of sizes, shapes, textures, and colors. Some are brown, while others are green. One egg can be smooth while another has grooves on its surface. The um, shapes include spherical, spherical, oval, and pod shape. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Pretty. These are some other ones. They almost look like the Monarch butterfly egg, and these ones are clear. And that dark that you actually see in there is the larva itself. The average time for the embryo to develop is seven to fourteen days, but in instances where the egg is in the overwintering stage, the embryo may take months to develop. Now, just like a plant seed holds the young embryo plant, the butterfly egg holds the young embryo butterfly. And we talked about when we talked about the seed itself, that's what we were saying. The seed in the plant seed is the young. Um, plant that's growing, and in this butterfly egg, this is the young egg that is being developed. The butterfly is being developed. The quote that we were using for the seed is Colossians 65. Oh, Christ Object Lessons. I'm sorry, 65. The germination of the seed represents the beginning of spiritual life, and the development of the plant is a beautiful figure of the Christian growth. The germination of the seed represents the beginning of spiritual life and the development of character education 105. Now, I know when I was studying this, and especially after I read the quotes of metamorphosis, that God wants us to go through that transformation, I went to the life cycle of the butterfly, because I know for me, nature really speaks to me, and there's lessons that I can learn. And that's where this came from, when I was asking God, how do I go through this transformation? I'm calling myself a Christian, but it's very obvious to my family that I'm not. We can be a Christian to the world, but true Christianity really shows in your home. And I always tell people, if you want to know if I'm a Christian, come to my home and watch, because that, that's where you'll find out. My guards are let down. I speak what I feel, especially when you don't feel good. Um, and so that's the true place to come. So for me, this was a spiritual experience that I went through to change who I was and what I wanted to be. The same allegory can apply to the butterfly egg. as we're looking at the Christian growth through the seed, we can also look at it through the life cycle of a butterfly, since God says be transformed. In Luke 8:11, we learn that the seed is the Word of God. So if the seed equals the Word of God, and if we applied that same concept, then the egg would also equal the Word of God. Now let's look at the spiritual lessons on the egg that we have just covered. So I'm going to do a part and then give you the spiritual lessons, and then the next part and do spiritual lessons. And you'll have all those in front of you too if you want to follow. It's underneath the egg. And the first lesson is the egg is the first stage of growth for the butterfly. The Word of God is our first foundation for spiritual growth and character development. Egg has everything that is needed for the growth of the butterfly. God's Word has everything we need in our spiritual growth. So if we're lacking in an area, I know when I was raising my children, I was a very impatient mother. So I went to the Bible to find out how to be a patient mother. Um, And the sad thing is to be patient, you have to go through trials to develop patience. So I became more impatient before I became patient because sometimes it's the trials that develop us. Um, But the Word has everything in it that we need for our Christian experience. Egg has everything that is needed for the growth. Oh, I read that. The egg itself produces the larva as it is developing. God's Word is our protection. I mean, the egg itself protects the larva as it's developing. God's word is our protection as we develop into this Christian that God desires us to be. The egg needed to be placed in a right place, plants that would eventually provide food for the larva. God's word needs to be placed at the top of our priorities where it will provide the food needed for our growth. So every morning we need to be coming to the Lord to get this growth, to spend time with him because it's going to be um, what sustains us through our day. Eggs need to be laid in a protected place, hid from predators. God's word needs to be hidden in our hearts, protected right there. Lots of eggs are laid to ensure a new generation of butterflies. God's word needs to be shared to issue a new generation of believers. Eggs come in different colors, sizes, and shapes. God's word comes to people in many different ways. We can study and gain truth. We can hear sermons and gain truth. Literature, testimonies, these are ways that God brings truth to our hearts. The second stage is the larva or the caterpillar itself. It's during this stage that the caterpillar does all its growing. In fact, this is just about all they do. They're actually eating machines, and they take few breaks even for resting. A Moinock butterfly will increase its size 3,000 times in the two weeks from the day it hatches until it's ready to pupate and become a chrysalis. Once laid, the egg is ready to hatch in four or five days. The dark head of the developing caterpillar can be seen near the top of the egg prior to its emergence. So it's right here. You can't see it very much in this picture, but you will be able to see it in the next one. So there it is. He starts wanting to come out, so he's ready to hatch, and is going to gnaw open that egg with his jaw, so it will keep eating and eating until it gets a hole large enough for it to start poking out. It continues to eat the shell and starts pushing its way through, and it pushes its way through and keeps pushing and just keeps coming out until he's completely out. And then when he's done, he turns around and he starts eating the case, the egg case. This is his first meal and all the nutrients he needs in order for him to survive. He's going to eventually eat the leaf that he's sitting on, but he needs nourishment because he's been going through a change and it took quite a bit of work for him to come out of that shell. So he's got to get more nutrients before he can go on to eat and grow. And this is a close-up of his little head eating that shell. Lesson one, the caterpillar wants to be free. There was only one way for it to be free and that was eating the top of the shell. We want to be free from our sins and the only way to accomplish true freedom is by eating the word of God. And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So truth equals freedom in John 8, 32. And what is this truth? Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Truth equals freedom and truth equals thy word and therefore thy word equals freedom. John 17, 17. Now I'm a math teacher, so to me this was really interesting and I try to do this with all my Bible. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. So I use a lot of algebra while I'm solving and I also use a lot of ladders. Whenever I see a ladder, I write the ladder down for growth and I use those a lot. So when I see these, I I get excited, but it's probably the math coming out in me. But eating the word is actually what's gonna give us freedom. Lesson two: Once freed, the caterpillar turned and he ate the shell. Once the word has set up, once the word has set up free, wait. Once the word has set us free from sin, we need to grow in our experience with the Lord by continuing to eat God's word. Word growth is produced by partaking of food. If you don't eat, you don't grow. We need feed to feed upon the word always if we want to continue growing spiritually. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts, John seventeen seventeen. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. I am the bread of life. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die, John 6, 50, and 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So Jesus is the bread of life that we must eat in order to grow. After eating the shell, the caterpillar starts to eat the leaf in which the mother butterfly laid her eggs. She knew the appropriate host plant, which would be food for the newly. She knows the appropriate host plant, which will be food for this caterpillar. For the monarch, it's actually a milkweed that she lays her eggs on, so it can eat this. And this caterpillar is not harmed by milkweed, which is poisonous to most other plants. By partaking of the poison, it becomes the protection for the caterpillar against its enemy because the poison remains in their bodies forever. It stays in their orange and black wings as a reminder to predators that they taste bitter. The first time a bird tastes a monarch, it will spit it out because it tastes like milkweed and it will never go there again. There is a caterpillar that mimics the monarch. He's known as the viceroy butterfly and he knows he almost looks like him. He's a little different, but he's the same coloring because he knows the predators are going to leave him alone because they leave the monarch alone. Even though the milkweed is not poisonous to them, the first bite can be a very dangerous one because the milkweed... um, Latex can act like glue. So some caterpillars die from their very first mill because their mouth gums up. If it survives, the caterpillar will take a break to shed or molt its skin. Now, monarchs are insects, and like all insects, they have to shed their exoskeleton and grow a new larger one several times as they get bigger. A monarch caterpillar sheds its exoskeleton five times It goes through five instars. The instars is the stage between a molt. When the caterpillar emerges from its egg, that's his first instar caterpillar. When it sheds its exoskeleton for the first time, it becomes the second instar caterpillar. Now the head capsule is the first part of the old skin to come off during the molting process. Then the old skin peels back the front of the caterpillar. At first, the new skin is very soft and provides little support or protection. This new skin soon hardens and molds itself to the caterpillar, and the shed skin is often eaten before the caterpillar ingests more plant food. Now, these are the five stages of the Marnock butterfly. This is actually stage one right here, which is just the egg, the larva itself. This one is stage two, and in stage two, the colors combination starts coming out, and this is the monarch, So he has yellow, white, and black. In stage three, he starts getting more, his colors are defined and his antennas start growing. And stage four is when a lot of growth will start taking place. This caterpillar starts growing his little legs, which are called pro legs right here. starts growing those, his antennas grow, his colors are still getting brighter and he starts eating he can eat a whole leaf in under an hour and so that's what they do eat and grow eat and grow and then we have our fifth stage which is right before he goes into being a butterfly the entire larval stage in the Mornoch lasts from nine to 14 days under normal summer temperatures lesson three eating the milkweed protected the caterpillar When we partake or eat of the word of God, it becomes our protection against Satan and his host, our enemies. Lesson four, when the caterpillar eats, it grows and sheds off its skin. Each time it looks different. That is what happens when we study God's word. We learn new things. We realize that our old sinful traits of character need to be laid off. Hebrews 12.1. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Now the head capsule is the first part to come off. When we're studying, it's head knowledge that we receive, and we walk in that knowledge. We start to look different. Our outward appearances change, our diet, our dress, our music, entertainment. All those may be taking on a change. Every time we eat God's word, we grow in that new light and shed our old sins. The next one, the third stage, is the pupa or the chrysalis. Now, this is actually a time of change, the pupa. Stage or the butterfly life cycle is a time for complete change. So it has to go through this. And there's a time trigger built into a caterpillar that tells him that he needs to make a change. And the trigger is actually a chemical called a juvenile hormone, and it's in their body, and it's made by their brain. If the caterpillar sheds its skin and that juvenile hormone is really high, the caterpillar knows that it needs to go through the next caterpillar stage. So if it's in stage two, it'll move to stage three. If it's in stage three, it'll move to stage four. However, when that juvenile hormone is very low, the caterpillar knows that it's time now to go into metamorphosis, that it's going to make its final change. This hormone change happens five different times. When this happens, the fully grown caterpillar quits eating and he starts to find a suitable place to make his chrysalis. Since the chrysalis will be immobile, It is important that the caterpillar finds a place where its chrysalis will be camouflaged in its environment. It usually goes to a twig or other safe area around their host plant. The Spicebush Swallowtail caterpillar, um, his chrysalis will take on a brown or green color depending on the color of the environment. And many chrysalis are leaf-shaped or varying colors from yellow, brown, green, silver, or gold. Some have the ability to wiggle and make a hissing sound in order to frighten predators. So if you've ever um, raised Mornox, you can get into that thing and if you move a little stick by them, they'll hiss at you so they know to leave them alone. Lesson one, a chemical hormone produced in the brain of the caliper triggers it to make a physical change. Each person that has studied God's word has been receiving head knowledge. As you remember, each time new knowledge is learned, the person gets rid of things in his or her life that are not in harmony with Jesus. After a while, the person realizes that a change needs to take place. The Holy Spirit has been impressing the person to give his or her heart to Jesus to make a complete surrender to him. Lesson two, caterpillars find a place to make this change, usually by the host plant. New believers will seek a suitable place to become the body of Christ, and it's usually where they first learned about the Lord. So if you're the one that taught them about Christ, they're going to want to go where you go because you have brought the message to them, so they want to go where it's safe, and they believe in your message, so they want to go to your church. Ten to 12 hours before shedding its skin, for the fifth and last time, the Marnock butterfly spins a silk, which it will use to anchor itself while going through the transition stage. The silk comes from the spinneret on the bottom of the head, typically located at their lower lip. Silk generated as a liquid in the saliva glands and excreted through the spinneret. As it makes contact with the air, it turns into a solid silk strand. Silk is one of the strongest natural fibers. It's said pound for pound that it's even stronger than still. And you can see his head right here and underneath his lip is where he's putting that silk pad out. Now swallowtails anchor themselves to the stem by the silk button which is right down here, but they also make another one. There's a cord that holds them right here as well. So they get two anchor lines here and here and it's called a girdle. And the reason why they're going to have two anchor lines is sometimes this one may not hold them. The bottom tail one might not hold them. So if they make this one, even if the bottom comes apart or detaches from the stem, the chrysalis will still be okay. And the string remains, even when the caterpillar um, pupates, into a chrysalis. So you can see it. This is the same caterpillar, so you still see it and the chrysalis. So it remains until he comes out of there. The Marnock butterfly only uses the silk button to attach itself to the stem or vine. When it is ready to grasp the silk button with its last prolegs and hang upside down, so when it's ready, it will do that, and they actually form this nice J. And it's called Hanging in J. I think that's so neat. Hanging in J. So before it makes a change, it has to hang out in J. And it hangs here for about 18 hours in this position. This is his resting stage. It's ready to go through his last change that he's going to make. Lesson three, caterpillars make a silk button and a silk cord. Silk is one of the strongest natural fibers. Faith is the strongest gift that we have. It moves mountains. If we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, we shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Matthew 17:20 20-21. It gives us victory. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 1 John 5:4. We're held securely to Christ by the cord of faith. Now, it's really interesting. This butterfly knew that it needed to build the cord, so God has put all these internal things inside its little being, so it needs to go through these, and it knows that no matter what happens, that cord is going to be strong enough to hold it through the major process that it's going to go through. Lesson four, it then attaches itself to the vine using the silk button and the silk cord. Jesus is the vine, 1 John 5.4. We attach ourselves to Christ, The vine by faith. Lesson five, once fastened, it turns upside down and bows making a J. As we continue to grow in our head knowledge, we start building a relationship with Jesus. The more we learn of him, the more we want to spend time with him, and the more we want to be like him. The more we behold his character, the more sinful we see ourselves, and the more humble we become. Now, we realize that we cannot change our hearts. The only solution is to let Jesus change us. So we bow our heads and we surrender to him. True humility is evident that we behold God and that we are in union with Jesus Christ. The more they see of the character of Christ, the more humble they become. And the lower their esteem of themselves, self is lost sight of. Review and Herald, May 11, 1987. Lesson, just like... The caterpillar cannot make a change until it hangs in the J. We cannot make an internal change until we bow and surrender to J, our Jesus. After hanging in J, the caterpillar is now ready for the next step. While being held by the silk button to the vine, it is time for the caterpillar to shed its old skin and reveal the new skin. Hanging upside down, the skin splits Behind the caterpillar's head, right here you can start seeing the split, did it go off? Right here you see him start splitting his head. The skin splits behind the caterpillar's head and he starts to wiggle out from the old skin. It has to hold onto the silk button while sli- slipping the rest of his skin off. And this one's a little harder to see, but it's right back there is where the silk is attached. It continues to wiggle itself out of the old skin to expose a tough new skin. This skin hardens almost immediately to form a chrysalis, chrysalis which protects the developing butterfly. At this point it's not quite a caterpillar and it's not quite a chrysalis. Lesson 6. The caterpillar sheds the old and puts on the new while holding onto the vine. While holding tight to Christ the old man is put away and the new man is born. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Colossians 3:10 through. through 3:10. Oh, let's see. Did I get that one right? Colossians 3:8 through 10. That ye put off concerning the form of conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the mind, in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Philippians four, twenty-two through twenty-four. Lesson seven. The skin hardens almost immediately to form a chrysalis which protects the developing butterfly. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Philippians 6, 11. Lesson eight, at this point, it is not quite a caterpillar and it's not quite a chrysalis. Paul expresses the same problem in Romans seven. Now here's three representations of a person unconverted. He's the one on this side, he's unconverted. He has the mind, serves sin, the flesh serves sin. It's because this old man of sin is living in him and he's actually in bondage. And then we have the one on this far right which is the heart knowledge person. Now he has the mind he wants to serve the law of God, and the flesh serves the law of God, and it's because now he has a new man of righteousness in him, and he's actually set free from sin. This is the place that I found myself with head knowledge. I, my mind wanted to do what was right, but my flesh would do things I didn't want, and it's because that old man of sin was very much alive. And that's what the caterpillar was feeling. He had not yet had this total transformation, and he wasn't totally a caterpillar. He was sitting right here. And I have sad to say, for about seven years of my Christian experience, I was sitting right here. I did not know how to make those changes. And it was actually studying this that I realized what I was missing. I had to be in God's word. I had to be studying, and I had to have God start talking to my heart so that when I saw the flesh pulling on me, I knew what I needed to do I needed to turn immediately with God's word to eat it to claim it to hide it in my heart to take care of this old man of sin now in Romans 7:14 18 through 19 and 22 through23 it explains what this old man is for we know that the law is spiritual but I am cardinal sold under sin for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to do is to do wait for to will is present with me but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that is what I do. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. No Christian is comfortable in this state because we're just a head-knowledge Christian. We're just speaking Christianity, but there has not been a change that has actually taken place in our hearts. Now, as the monarch wiggles and pushes his exo, exoskeleton towards the last prolegs, where it is holding onto the silk button, it must ex- execute a very tricky feat, a feat. A few minutes later, the skin is near the top, and that's what you see right here. It's all the black. That's his skin. He's at the top. The Marnock must pull a small stick like a appendage called a cream master out from that wad of skin and drive it into the silk button. So he's right here, and you can't see it here, I have some other pictures that I will show you, but he's got to pull it out of here before this piece falls off and get that cream master and stick it into the silk button. If the caterpillar does not grasp the silk pad with its cream master, it falls to its death. Its exoskeleton is very soft and pliable at this point and it's not sturdy enough to withstand the impact with a hard surface. The tip of the cream master is made from many hooks, so there's hooks on here, and as the chrysalis is turning and twisting and turning and twisting with this motion, his hooks are going stronger and stronger into that silk pad. Since the butterfly will hold onto this cream master until it emerges as an adult, it has to make sure it's firmly attached to the vine. Since so the butterfly, oh, let's see, touch the vine. So nothing can keep it from falling as it goes through its final stage. Now here's a close-up picture of it. Do you see those hooks at the top? This is the cream master, and the cream master only starts appearing when the skin has gone all the way up, and then you will start seeing the cream master. And so the hooks are right there. Here's a closer one of the hooks, and it's twisting into that silk pad to hold it in place. The gyration that drives the cream master into the silk button is also causes that exoskeleton to fall away. So not only is it securing itself, but the rest of the dead caterpillar is now gone. So all that's left is the chrysalis. Lesson nine, the caterpillar gyrates to get rid of the old skin and grabs hold of the silk to stay connected to the vine. We are to completely die to the old man. He should be forever gone that we hold tight to Christ. Lesson 10, the chrysalis rustles, it twists and it turns. To make sure it's securely fastened to the silk pad with a cremaster so it will not fall during the final stages. As Christians, we have to do whatever it takes to hold Christ close to us. We may need to wrestle, just like Jacob did. We may learn precious lessons in the Christian experience by a study of Jacob's repentance and his wrestling with the angel. Jacob knew his peril. He knew that without the protection of God, he would be helpless before his enemy. He did all in his power to atone for his past transgressions, and then in humiliation and repentance pleaded for divine protection. With cries and tears he made a supplication to God, and when the strong hand of the angel was laid upon him he wrestled all the energy, wrestled with all the energy of his being. Jacob put forth all his strength and supposing that he was wrestling with a lawless opponent, but when the Lord put his finger with the divine touch upon Jacob, the wrestling ceased. When Jacob knew that it was the Lord, he fell upon his neck of the angel and held him, pleading, Bless me, even me. When the angel said, Let me go, for the day breaketh, Jacob said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Then his name was changed to correspond to the change in his character, for the angel said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob's supplanter, but Israel, for as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Review and Herald, March 28, 1899, paragraph eight. Once the old skin is gone, which what is left is the new chrysalis, and it still doesn't look much like the chrysalis. The wing area, the broad, smooth part at the bottom, right here, that's his wings, and then the head part right here is his abdomen that's starting to develop. While the process of complete metamorphosis looks like four very distinct stages, continuous change actually occurs within the larva. The wings and other adult organs develop from tiny clusters of cells already present in the larva. And by the time the larva pupates, the major changes to the adult form have already begun. During the pupal stage, this transformation will be complete. The pupa, or the chrysalis, is soft and delicate, but in about an hour, the shell hardens to protect the growing butterfly within. Its beautiful shade of green is helped to disguise it from predators. While going through the metamorphosis change, the insect's body basically is liquefied by digestive fluids. Some people believe that at this point the mornoch is really nothing. It's just a lot of loose soup. And if you actually open up, open it apart, you will see that it's just a lot of goo. But it actually has in it the beating heart, the respiratory system, the emerging wings, the antennas, and the eggs. So even that looks like a gooey mass is not. It has all the genes in there that it needs to form into the butterfly itself. In other words, in this watery state, cells are changing and relocating. Old, no longer needed caterpillar parts must be reabsorbed and the butterfly parts must be complete. For example, the mouth changes from that caterpillar needed to choose milkweed leaves into a straw-like tongue that the butterfly will need to sip nectar. And so this new creature is actually being developed, and you can see the wing color coming through right down at the bottom. And this is uh, the one that's the swallowtail and his chrysalis. Lesson 11. The caterpillar's body turns into a watery goo, never to be a caterpillar again. Now new parts are developing to make a new creature. In order for us to be new in Christ, we must go through the watery grave or baptism testifying that we desire to put off the old man in the grave and never to rise again. Jesus told Nicodemus that he must be born again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3.5. Baptism is the beginning of our transformation of the Christian into a new birth. Lesson 12, a new creature is being created. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Second Corinthians 5.17 Those who claim to be Christ's followers pledge themselves to obedience at the time of their baptism. When they go down into the, watery, into the water, they pledge themselves in the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that they will henceforth be dead unto the world and its temptations, and that they will arise from the watery grave to walk in newness of life, even a life of obedience to God's requirement. Volume 2, Sermons and Talks. Page 228. Now the person is no longer between the earthly and the heavenly. Having the mind to serve God, the mind to serve God, and the flesh that serves God, he's able to now because now he is a new creature. As you look at the heart knowledge person, he, she serves God with the mind and flesh because the old man is gone and the new man of righteousness is living in the heart and he's a new creature. You know, I took heart to this when I was going through my Christian experience as a young mother because I was so impatient with my children that I know once I surrendered to the Lord, I had to remember I gave myself to Christ that if I choose to pick up the old man of self, that is choice. But it does not hold me anymore. It does not bind me there. I have become a new creature. And so therefore, I can submit to the Lord. And and I don't know how many times i said, okay, I don't look like it, but I know I'm a new creature. (laughs) And by faith, I'm going to walk forward being this new creature because you've changed me. I'm not sitting between limbo anymore. I have made that choice. And my prayer used to be, just show me where the old man is raising his head because I know he comes up, and the Lord gave me that illustration of a gopher. There's a, actually a, a game when we were young, I don't know if it was out now, but there would be a gopher that pops up in a hole and you had to take a mallet and hit him down and no sooner did you hit him down he'd pop up in another area and you hit him down and he'd pop up again. And So I had to tell the Lord that's what it's like when I get one down he pops up someplace else. I need you to start showing me what's causing him to pop up. There's something obviously in my life that I'm holding onto that gives Satan grounds to show his ugly face to me because he died. I laid that old man of sin in the grave and I choose not to lift him up." And the Lord started taking me through the process of how to constantly lay that old man of sin in the grave. The monarch will be a chrysalis for about 10 days, longer if it's cooler, shorter if it's hotter. Right before the butterfly emerges, you can see many different body parts on the pupa. And this one's really coming through clear. You see the wings taking place on this one very pretty, this is not a monarch butterfly, very pretty. You can see his abdomen. So there's several things that you can see, his legs, his antenna, and it will take about two weeks before he actually emerges, if the temperatures are correct. After a day before the adult butterfly emerges, the chrysalis becomes transparent. Now this is a monarch, so you can see his wings, they're orange and black. Finally, the beautiful butterfly is ready to come out. It starts pumping fluid from its abdomen until its head and its upper body, causing the chrysalis to split and make a small hole. Now the hole is really too small for the butterfly, so it has to exert a lot of work to push and struggle out. So as he pushes and struggles, the liquid goes into his wings and pumps his wings out. There's a story about a man who was watching these butterflies coming out and he felt sorry for this chrysalis because it was fighting so hard to get out. He decided to help it. He took a pair of scissors and he actually cut the chrysalis open so he could help the butterfly come out. And it did. It helped him. But the butterfly just fell out on the ground and his body was really fat and the wings were really skinny and he waited to see what was happening and the butterfly ended up dying. It was the struggle that he had to go through. He had to push all those fluids into his body in order to live. And so he's still coming out here, so he's still pushing and pushing and then he'll crawl out and see there he's all crumpled up. His wings aren't full yet and his body's really fat and he's really soft and tiny and his wings are wet. So he just sits here for a while and he just clings to the shell along with his, um, allowing his crumpled wings to hang downward. And as he's doing there, they're getting fuller, the liquid's coming out of his body and it's filling up those shells, and he just waits, and he waits. Also, he's exhausted. He has just gone through a major trial, so he's really tired, and I don't know about you, but when I go through major trials in my experience with the Lord, I'm tired. You know, because usually, I don't know about you, I don't always surrender right away, I fight. And I think, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I have a right to be upset right now. I have a right to be mad. And so I hold on to it. And the more I hold on to it, the battle gets more intense. When I just surrender, then the battle's done and I can go on. But I'm not one for always just surrendering real easy. I'm learning more. It's like going in the hospital. They're all glad I must have a good purpose for this. Not sure what it is, but it's got to be something good out of this. So I just have to wait on the Lord and spend time with him while hanging there the butterfly pumps body fluids called hemolymph into the wings to make them grow big and strong and as you can tell the wings are growing the body's getting less uh, getting skinnier now the once crumpled wings start to take shape as they fill with the liquid the wings must be filled quickly or they will harden before they reach their full size if they harden before the wings are developed the butterfly won't be able to fly and it dies the butterfly continues to cling to the shell until its wings are strong and the sun has dried them out. It will attempt to fly. It will not attempt to fly until it's ready. In a couple of hours, the butterfly wings are dried and hardened to their correct shape. And now they're no longer bound to the earth by a body of flesh. And the butterfly takes to the heavens on the wings of the wind in search for its first meal. Lesson 13, butterfly is transparent. We as Christians should be transparent. What people see is what we should be. Everything that Christians do should be as transparent as the sunlight. Truth is of God. Truth is of God. Deception in every one of its myriad forms is of Satan. We cannot speak the truth unless our minds are continually guided by him who is truth. Sons and daughters of God, 64. Lesson 14. Butterflies struggle to get out. To be freed, the caterpillar has to put forth an effort. For us to experience eternal life, we need to exercise our faith with our works. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. James 2.17. Works are definitely important. If we would enter heaven, we must make personal efforts to be there. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.14. Luke 1324, strive to enter at the straight gate. That sounds like a work, it's not just something that's gonna come easy. Lesson 15, after struggling to emerge, the butterfly rests clinging to shell. Newborn Christians will face many trials. Without these trials, we would never develop the character God desires us to have. Trials are God's way of preparing us for heaven. During the trials, we must cling to Jesus and rest in his love. Lesson 16, butterflies pump fluid into their wings to help them grow big and strong. After our baptism, we need to be spending time in God's word and prayer to help us continue to grow into the Christians God wants us to be. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.18. Lesson 17. Wings need to be filled quickly if if a butterfly is to live and fly. As we are studying and receiving light, we need to walk in the light immediately lest it become darkness to us. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of our Lord. Isaiah 2, 5. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 8:12. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. John 1, 17. Lesson 18, the butterfly waits in the sun until strong enough to fly. We need to wait on Jesus, the son of righteousness, to direct our path. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, Isaiah 40, 31. The last stage is the adult stage. This is our final stage. When the butterfly completes its metamorphosis cycle, it perfectly reflects the image of its parent. A male and female monarch can be distinguished very easily. Males have black spots on their veins, and on each hind wing it's not present in the female. So these black spots right here identify the male. These spots are made of specialized scales, which produce a chemical, used during courtship in many species of butterflies and moths, although such a chemical does not seem to be that important to the Mornock butterfly during its courtship. The ends of the abdomens are also shaped differently in the male and female. The female often looks darker than the male and have wider veins on their wings. The primary job of the adult is to reproduce, to mate and lay eggs, and it will go through a cycle of 16 hours to mate, And then females begin laying their eggs immediately afterwards. Each year, the final generation of monarchs, adults that emerge in the late summer or early fall, have an additional job. They migrate to the overwintering grounds either in central Mexico for eastern monarchs or in California for western monarchs. Here they spend the winter clustering in trees until the weather and temperature conditions allow them to return to their breeding grounds. These adults can live up to nine months. Somebody said, I've never been there, they said that's an amazing place to go, to see all these monarchs, And they always know the place to go, to rest there until it's time to go back and finish up their cycle. The monarch butterfly migrates for two reasons. They cannot withstand freezing weather in the northern and central continent climates in the winter. Also, the larval food plants do not grow in their winter, um, overwintering sites, so the spring generation must fly back north to places where the plants are plentiful. The migration is a long journey. It takes about 3,000 miles for them to go here, especially the one in Mexico. The journey's hard and many die along the way. Who guides them on their way? Researchers believe the insects have an inbuilt biological compass that allows them to sense the direction of the Earth's magnetic field. And we know that it's the Lord that guides them. In February, March, the final generation is hibernating of hibernating monarch butterflies come out of hibernation and find a mate, and then they migrate north and east in order to find a place to lay their eggs again. Thus, the process starts all over again, creating the next generation of butterflies. Lesson one, the butterfly perfectly reflects the image of the parent. The ultimate goal for us as Christians is to perfectly reflect God's character but we also with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the lord are changed to the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the lord 2 corinthians 3:18 beloved now are we the sons of god sons of god and it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear he shall be we shall be like him for he for we shall see him as he is 1 john 3:2 lesson 2 the primary job of the adult Stage is to reproduce. As Christians, our goal should be to make more disciples for Jesus. God gives us a commission. Freely ye have received, freely give. Matthew ten eight. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Matthew twenty eight nineteen through twenty. This change begins in our home. Children should see us as Christians. We should set that example. And as you spend time daily with Jesus, people will take knowledge that you've been with him. You will be a new person. The old, irritable, impatient self will be gone, and Christ will shine out through your life. The transformation is complete, and others will desire it for themselves. Lesson three, Monarchs have an internal compass that directs them where to go. God speaks to our hearts, leading us and thy ear shall hear a word behind me saying, this is the way walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left, Isaiah 30, 21. So the A, conclusion, God wants us to go through a metamorphosis change, a total conversion. From our birth, our sinful nature's only desires to please self. When we realize we cannot change ourselves, we need to turn to Jesus. We start reading God's word. We start understanding that there are areas of our life that are not in harmony with God's word. And we have a head knowledge. We start shedding the old habits and characteristics, making an outward change in our dress, diet, entertainment, etc. Soon we realize that we need more. We need a complete surrender to Jesus. We want a heart experience. We hang our heads and humbly submit to our Jesus. We enter into a watery grave and emerge a new creature in Christ. With this love in our hearts and commitment to serve him, we are now ready to soar the heavens and share his love and mercies with others. I'd like to share right before we close, and I don't have these last two slides in here, that nature actually gives us an opportunity to find spiritual spiritual truth, as we were talking about earlier. The light one that we shared and the plants that we shared came from our own studies. Our girls were like 12 and 13 when they started doing those studies. And if young kids can do it, anyone can do it. The stars was actually already done. God did the stars. He put those up in the sky for us so that the plan of salvation would be seen every year. The butterfly, this isn't the only truth that you can find from butterflies. You probably can find other things. But the thing is to use nature to teach our children. I remember when we first started this, every Friday we had what we called a nature walk. It was a time to get our children out with time with God, and they brought a... Um, little notebook with them, and I'll show you, we had a backpack that they always carried, but they had a notebook with them, and they were to go look for these lessons, and I remember the first time that I sent the children out, Autumn was quite young, and I just kept praying, oh Lord, please give her a lesson, please give her a lesson, I don't know why I doubted so much that he could do that, but I kept praying, just give her something, I knew Stacy would come up with something, she was older, but I didn't know about Autumn, anyway, as she was walking, she found this um, glump of dirt, and it had grass in it, and she picked it up, and there was a leaf or uh, stem, I should say, that was green, and it was going straight up. And then it had a brown one that was going off to the side, and it was dead. And she said, Mom, this is like a Christian experience. If we stay close to Jesus, we're going to grow in Him, and we're going to keep growing, and it's even getting ready to put out a flower. But if we start looking to the world and we start putting our mind that way, we're going to become like Him. And I thought, oh, wow, that was pretty profound. <laughs> That's really good. And then the next one we went out, her cat was following her. Um, Asia was her name. And um, she said, Mom, I just realized the cat's been following me all day today that my influence influence people. If I have a wrong character, I'm going to influence those around me. And people follow me. So I need to make sure my character is correct for that. And so they were learning these lessons And that's what I wanted. So every Friday was a time just to be in nature for them to find God's answers. And I also used it in chemistry, which we didn't do one, but I did um, relationships in in chemistry, the bonding, ionic bonding and covalent bonding, because I knew if I taught it early, when they got to that stage in their relationships where they started liking boys, we've already taught the lesson, and I could go back to the spiritual lesson. So nature is a way to speak. I actually had a mother that went through one of my talks and she, her do, child was being so bad, I think it was a little girl, it was being so bad, she took a wet sheet. She said, Lord, what do I do? And she said, I think you need to make this child a cocoon. So she took a wet sheet and she told the little child, I'm going to wrap you up into a cocoon because right now you need an old self and it needs to die. So I'm going to wrap you in this cocoon and you're going to stay there until you spend time with Jesus. And when you're ready, I'm going to open up the cocoon and you're going to come out as a beautiful butterfly. Now you have to make the change because I can't make it for you. I will pray that Jesus is going to change your heart, but God's got to make that change. So the mom prayed and the little girl said, I'm ready. So after she unfolded, the little girl just went around the house flying like this. But her whole character changed. So the whole thing is to use nature. If you can't get across spiritual things, we're able to do those through the word. So in our nature walk, we always picked up an object, observed it. We would draw it, write out a spiritual lesson from it and is, there, is it something that would represent Jesus, because that's what I wanted. Um, well, I look for a scripture verse to go with the object, and how can you apply that lesson to their lives? So that we did this every Friday. This was our devotion time on Friday. Um, this one, uh, these are the things that we carried. If you buy a pond, I always had a net so you could collect water. I always had a microscope at my house so we could lick things under there. So I had small backpacks, a pocket Bible, magnifying glass, tweezers, journals, pencils, color pencils, buckets, small filled nature books, plants on plants, flowers, birds, and trees. And if you went to Angie's class at all, she demonstrated some books that you can get at the ABC that will talk about all the birds of the Bible or all plants of the Bible. So there's a lot of books out there that can help you. The one um, character sketches, a picture of those up here, there's three volume sets. Those have a lot. And you always have the Holy Spirit, that's what we used. And um, one day we were walking, we cornered this lizard, it was huge, and it was running, so we went and got wire so we could corner it. And then we took pictures, we drew it, and we came back and searched for it. It was called a collared lizard um, they, in Arizona, and it says, don't corner them, they bite. <laughs> so We didn't touch it, we just cornered it though, so we could get pictures of it. Um, when they were little, we'd collect grasshoppers. Did you know you could tell a difference between a boy and a girl grasshopper? So we got grasshoppers, we charted how many were boys and how many were girls, and we plotted it on a graph. That's how I did my math, was out in nature. So you can do a lot of things with nature to teach. And so God is really good when he teaches us. And on Sabbath afternoons, if you're not getting out in nature, Sabbath afternoon is a good time. We did um, nature dioramas, we would actually do a Bible study with nature, and then we would go to each other's diorama, what they make, and how to figure out the Bible study. And I remember years later, we did a bunch of these in Tennessee, and we had left the area, and we came back and went on that trail, and one of our dioramas was still there. And I thought, I wonder what people thought. It was actually Jericho, where we had, um, we made little people with these little balls you could stick the heads in. You made those for heads, and you could stick sticks in. And then we had string, it wasn't string, we used leaves, and they had rocks attached them and we were showing them building the tower and so they had these little strings and so all these little heads were sticking out with rocks at the end and the tower was growing so I thought I wonder if anybody went by and said what in the world were they making here <laughs> so, your dioramas are really good so those are a way. Um, yes Really good. I'm going to show you one and then we're going to close because it's time. And, um, and you can teach any lesson. I'll let you guys get the lesson. There's three of these. Um, we did this. I'm not going to tell you what I used it for. I'll let you decide. Um, just little spikes. Okay, there is a Venus flytrap and he is blood red right here. And um, do you know why he's blood red? because he looks like dead meat and they draw flies. And he's a Venus flytrap, so he wants to draw flies. he has got these little hairs on here, and when a fly lands on it, it tickles on those hairs. And as it tickles on those hairs, then it will shut and digest him. So that's one. There's also a dew plant. He kind of looks like this, and it has a a trough here, and this is all a glue, but it's real pretty. It looks like nectar, and it just looks really good. So the little fly will just buzz in here, and he goes to this, and he will get in here, and he just eats and eats and eats to his heart content. and then he tries to get out, and because this is gooey and sticky, he can't get his feet out, and he ends up dying in there. Now this is another one. This is called the pitcher plant. And this is always fun to draw. Right here, there's water down here. And there is a, as you saw the plants yesterday, remember how we had the landing pad? So the plants know where to come. They're seeing, the insect is seeing this in ultraviolet light. So this is actually a, um, a gear, a, like a landing strip. So the little fly comes in, he sees this landing strip, and he thinks, oh, good, there's food. And then he sees these little membranes back here. Now in that acute drawing it ends up being a little monster. So here he sees those and he says, Well that's okay. I'm gonna go in and I'm going to get the nectar because the nectar is right inside. So he's gonna go in and get this nectar. And then when he's done, he tries to fly out the membranes, but he can't get out. So he flies, and he tries another one, and he tries another one, and finally he just goes right down here in this liquid, and he dies. They say if you're out in the desert and you really need to survive, you can drink this water. I don't think I would, but they say say you can drink this water. Um, Also, if he comes in here and he gets on these little hairs, they are actually turned this way, and so he just slides right down to his death. there's also hairs on this side that if he goes over here, he'll slide down to his death. Now, if you wanted to teach a spiritual lesson to your children, what would you use teaching these? Traps. Traps. The traps of the enemy. We happen to use diet because our girls wanted things that were unhealthy for them. So we use these to teach them why it's good to eat things and why it's not. The devil has a trap for you. We have a whole presentation on spiders and how they're different traps. And so you can take any lesson that you want to teach your children, turn it into something spiritual um, from nature, and believe me, the lessons stick, and that's why we have Christ Object Lessons. And if you haven't read that book, go back and read it again, because the purpose of that is so that when they were gone, when the Lord, uh, these people would walk by those things that he was teaching, they would remember the spiritual lesson. And that's why we want to bring them to nature, so they remember those spiritual lessons. I'm going to have my husband close with prayer.
0: Loving Father in heaven, thank you so much for the illustration of the butterfly, a transformation, metamorphosis, the old man of sin that dies, goes into a watery grave, and comes out in newness of life, the life of Jesus. And I pray that each of us, in every walk of our lives, will reflect the character of God, reflect the character of Jesus to the world in which we live, so that people will have a desire to become like Jesus too. Dismiss us with your blessing now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.